Time to talk the world game with Carlos Alberto Diego. Time to celebrate the career of Lee Broxham, who breaks the Melbourne Victory Games holders record tomorrow night. Lee Broxham busting a gut to make it four. Cal Fala slides it through. It's Lee Broxham! Game over! The grand final one for Melbourne Victory through Lee Broxham. The third goal in that grand final a couple of years ago against Sydney FC. And tomorrow night it'll be game 225 for Lee Broxham, who started as the kid boy. Carlos, how are you? How are you there, Francis? Uh, I said deja vu back to January 2004 when we <laughs> first uh, got together in the uh, afternoon time slot for you. Just and like I was your football guy, uh, your soccer guy back then. And Lee Broxham was the water boy back then, wasn't he? I mean, Adley hadn't even started, and uh, I think he might have been just uh, helping out around the change room. And uh, he's gone on now to be, you know, a, a guy who's not only earned a heap of respect and captained the club in important games and, and almost been a, a bit of a first choice for Kevin Musket since he's been there, uh, to, a, to a guy who, um, you know, is, is eternally respected now. And, uh, but that hasn't always been the case. Uh, he's unfashionable the way he goes about it. And, uh, and he's had his fair share of booze by, uh, by some of the victory supporters at different times. But uh, what a fantastic achievement. Now, game's record holder for, or well, going to be after, after the next game. 225 games. 9.49, if you want to talk to Carlos about the world game and uh, about Lee Broxham and his journey with Melbourne Victory, because a bit like Kevin Musket, he's been there for the entire journey one way or another. Uh, and I think around the time that Ange Postacoglu came to coach the Melbourne Victory, I, fair to say I think he might have felt like he was on the way out. It was Ange, really, who invested in him at that mm. time and got him playing as a centre-back for a little while. You know, He's the smallest centre-back in the world, but yeah. just used him in every p- uh, position possible. He found a role for him because he believed in his work work ethic in his attitude. I remember one press conference when Ange uh, came out and they were about to play uh, Newcastle Jets and Emil Heskey was their big uh, central striker. This guy played for England and he scores most of his goals in the air with his head and uh, Ange was you know, a bit light on in the middle of defence and, and actually told the press conference to a lot of laughs by the way that uh, Lee Broxham was uh, being considered as being a centre half and I thought that was just typical Ange just playing with the media. Being a bit provocative. But uh, what happened he started and he actually was best on ground and uh, amazing job he did on uh, Emil Husky. He's a guy, Lee Broxham is a guy that uh, has been able to work out very very early in his career uh, what his limitations are and he works so well to his strengths and uh, now he can be moved and he's adaptable and uh, it really he's one of those guys that if he's available uh, you, you play him every time doesn't matter what sort of marquee player you got doesn't matter what sort of uh, you know uh, stars you got in that squad he plays all the time he's almost the glue of that club it's been a remarkable career Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. if you want to join the conversation so he goes past Archie Thompson as the game's record holder uh, and he's played in at least three title-winning teams? Or, yeah, well... Uh, or been part of three title-winning teams? Yeah, well, sports? I mean, the first year, obviously, they finished second last, I think, but from the second year onwards under any Merrick, they'd probably won a title every second year, and he was involved with all those, whether it be uh, an integral part of the team or, or someone coming off the bench and, and just doing a, a job. But, uh, you know, I'd love to hear from those guys, uh, you know, those victory supporters over the years that maybe were the boo boys with Lee, uh, Lee Broxham and, and, you know, how how he's won them, won them over. Uh, were you a guy in the past that didn't appreciate his talents as now? Is he uh, your sort of person who really appreciates? Uh, he's sort of player that uh, I think recognises and accepts his limitations. So he's not a he's not a, the most fluent uh, guy getting across the ground in terms of running ability, and he, he doesn't have a, the message Ozil pass that's going to destroy a team without without uh, the look of you know 
well, without a blink of an eye, but he, he is absolutely uh, committed to the cause. Mm. He's there for 90 minutes, week in, week out, and uh, he will play in any position he's asked to play in. Yeah, and is there anywhere he hasn't been? Uh, he probably hasn't been asked to play Center for well, he's, he's found his way up. No, he's found his way up there sometimes, but he hasn't played uh, as a creative midfielder as such, or uh, up in up on a wing, or uh, you know, uh, or a Barisha type role. But uh, anything in that back half, uh, he hasn't played in goals yet. But uh, with some of the keepers that Victory's had over the years, he'd probably do a better job than some of them. To tell the truth. But uh, but you know, the thing that people don't realise about Lee Broxham, I was sort of lucky enough to know uh, there were you know you know community programs and school programs with that Victory have been involved with, and also the PFA have been involved with over the years that people don't hear what the players do in schools and the community. Uh, Lee, uh, I've been able to witness some of the stuff and the relationship he builds with students in schools, uh, with school programs and, uh, and other community programs, in, you know, uh, and uh, the guy just gives his all. And uh, he's certainly one, not one of these footballers who go, just goes on and, si- and signs autographs. If he's involved in the school program, he invests himself in that. And, uh, and I, you know, I've seen... Uh, a lot of kids who have, who really do look forward to working with Lee in that uh, in that sort of setup. So uh, he's not only just a great footballer on the field; and he's done wonderfully well for Victory, but he does a lot uh, representing that club off the field too. Nine forty nine eleven sixteen is the number. Twenty eight minutes past two this hour for Mini Valley. Australia Stakes, Friday the 27th of January. Feast on a free big Aussie barbecue at the Valley. Uh, Rob's in Nidri wants to talk about Broxham. G'day, Rob. Hi guys, uh, love listening to your show. Um, I took my son to a captain's clinic the day after uh, Victory came back from, I think it was 3-0 down with nine men, and Broxon played that day as a, I think he was like a defensive midfielder, and he ran his little legs off and got him back in the game just through sheer will. And I think for a lot of Victory supporters, that might have been a turning point in their in their thinking around Lee Broxon. Yeah, was that a few years ago under Ernie Merrick uh, at Eddie Had when Central Coast was 3 0 up? And I think with nine men, uh, Victory either drew that game. I mean, that we're talking about a, a few. 3 3. Yeah, I'm, not talk, I'm talking about a few years ago now, but also they've come back from those sort of deficits a few times. And uh, I'm pretty sure that Lee Broxon has been involved in every, you know, every one of those. But it says something when uh, someone like Kevin Musket, who, you know, he looks at a footballer and he doesn't pick a footballer in his team just because they've got a name or because they've got him as a marquee or we see with Maxi Beister at the moment, he's not getting the game because he's not one's going to be gifted a game. He doesn't gift anyone a game. He just plays people who are going to win in games. And uh, whenever Lee Broxham is available, he, he gets to play. And under Ange, another guy uh, who walked in the victory. And uh, from what I heard, there were some players there who were entrenched under Ernie Merrick who were made very, very uncomfortable with Ange uh, looking him straight in the eye and saying, look, you're not good enough. Uh, you're not going to play my side unless you can improve. Apparently, you know, that, sort of, that sort of conversation, if it was had with Lee, he responded in a really positive way. 9-4-2-9-11-16 number. Kevin Muscat's been speaking ahead of uh, the game against Sydney FC. Tomorrow night, you'll hear it on 11-16 SEN, the big blue victory coming off the back of a, a rough road trip, losing in Wellington, being pipped by Perth in, uh, in the last 10 minutes of that game at NIB Stadium. So they've lost their last two and are losing touch with Sydney FC at the top of uh, the A-League table in the pursuit of the Premier's plate. Kevin reckons he's got his players ready. We understand you know, what's required of us uh, to go out and win the game. Uh, everything lays now uh, within the execution and uh, the players are prepared. 
They're ready? They're ready to go? They need to be, don't they? Because it's all on the line now. Yeah, well, look, they're going to need to play a complete game of football the way they did in that uh, second derby where they overturned things. I'm not talking about the FFA Cup uh, semi-final, but I'm talking about that more recent derby in mid-December where they won 2-1 against uh, Melbourne City. They that was as complete a performance I've seen victory have by way of, uh, you know, with the ball and without the ball, the pressure they applied. Uh, they're going to have to do that. And uh, I think if you read the quotes and watch the press conference from Graham Arnold the other day, I think he used the word fight at least 10 times <laughs> in three sentences. Uh, I think they're up for the battle. I think that uh, in that in that way, I think victory are got an advantage because victory will fight anyway. Sydney almost have to tell the world that they're fighters. But you don't have to do that with victory because under the musket, that's all they are. And not, not, not all they are, but that's a really integral part of their game. So that might, that might buy into uh, you know, Kevin Musket and the way they go about it because in that first 20 minutes, it's going to be a real battle. And whoever wins that battle, as Graham Arnold says, is well on the way of winning that game. A senior senior showed a remarkable resilience this year. They're still unbeaten in their 16 starts with a 12-4 and record. So, uh, you know, victory, if they can beat them, will just cut that margin back to uh, five points and give them some sort of hope of reeling them in at the top of the table. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, and uh, you know, I wasn't impressed with Sydney at the start of the year. I mean, they obviously they're, they're unbeaten for 16 games, but I thought a lot of the stuff that was coming out was more uh, parochial. Sydney media was saying how good these guys, calling them invincibles after five or six games. Give me a break. It, well, it's 16 now, and they've really, they really have impressed me in the last four or five weeks. Uh, they are terrific in turning over or forcing turnovers for the opposition in really great areas for them on the transition. They're probably the best in the competition. Uh, victory have to be as good as them, and they were very good in that area against City in the last derby when they played and they won that. So uh, it's going to be a real battle, and it really depends on how on fire the likes of Ben Kalfalar, and I'm assuming he'll come back into the side, Rojas, these sort of guys. You know, we look at the Perth game. They had six changes that they had to make, but they left Bazanich uh, instead of coming... All the way to Perth that you came to Melbourne. Uh, I, I wonder whether that was going to be the one uh, that if they had to lose, they wouldn't have mind losing. Um, and they played well enough to win it, by the way. But it might have been that one game that they're saying, OK, listen, we've got some tough games. We've got Sydney and then we've got Melbourne City. We need everyone up and running for that. And they hadn't had change. Remember, he hadn't made any changes to the side up until Wellington for about five or six weeks. I think he might have liked to come home with a couple of points from a few Mm. draws, but it didn't work out that way. And now they've got to make sure Thursday night counts. At uh, 28 to 3, Carlos Alberto Diego talking football, the world game with us here on 1116 SEN. You can join us, 949 1116. Frank's in East Killer. G'day, Frank. Hello. How are you, Frank? Not bad, not bad. A couple of things, Carlos. Um, one to ten. Are you riding Musket? I think he's doing a terrific job, Frank. Uh, I know there's a lot of Victory fans who are, who you know are on his back a bit, and they don't really you know rate him highly because we we get you know in the final whistle shows after France uh, Francis's broadcast, we get wall to wall talk back and a lot of opinions. And uh, uh, for me, I think he's done a wonderful job with this team. At the start of the year, after the, the blow and the embarrassment of that loss, a 4-1 loss against City, everyone was writing them off. They didn't get it right. They weren't really purring or humming for about four or five weeks. And then suddenly he was getting it right. And, uh, and for him to turn around the confidence level and uh, maybe the lack of belief sometimes that the team may have had in those early weeks. And by the way, everyone was writing him off at that time, including Kevin Musk. A lot of people were calling for his, his head at that time. 
Uh, that's how that's the high expectations he you know deals with. But the way he's turned that around, yes, the last two weeks haven't been good. The gaming in Wellington that was awful. It's probably the worst performance for the year, I reckon. Uh, the one in Perth they should have won, but they didn't. Uh, I think he's done a great job. They won eight or something in eleven, so we we can't be writing off the job that he's doing. On 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of footy, afternoons with Francis Leach for the Volvo Summer Sale on now. At 21 to 3, uh, this hour for Mooney Valley Australia Stakes Day is Friday the 27th of January and uh, Carlos will be there. He'll be feasting on a free Big Aussie barbecue at the Valley as the GGs go around. Yep. Love it. Absolutely. I'll, I'll be there for the. I'm not one for horse racing, but uh, be there for the barbecue. Absolutely, there you go. Whatever it takes. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. If you want to join the conversation, talking football at the World Game with Carlos Alberto Diego. We spoke about Melbourne victory, the Big Blue live at eleven sixteen SCN tomorrow. And being night. accused of being cheerleaders for Melbourne victory, it wasn't so. I'll show you that. Call, I'll show you text messages of being abused by City fans. Sorry, for Victory fans of being City-oriented. Well, if you're displeasing both, you're doing uh, your job properly. That's the way it works. Speaking of City, mm. uh, Michael Valkanis has the job at Melbourne City for the remainder of this campaign. That's that's really interesting. That, uh, Makes sense. There was, really, there's, there's, well, there's one, obviously, if they had someone in mind, they don't, that person's not available right now, number one. I think uh, that, would, that would be... Um, Probably one explanation why they've gone with Michael. Uh, they also, at the same time, uh, the guys won two out of three, and the one in Adelaide uh, that they lost was, you know, with Colazzo. If he had been, uh, uh, if his goal hadn't been disallowed in that first half, they would have gone two nil up and probably would have killed off that game. So he could have been three and zip right now. And uh, and the players respect him. He's been there under Van Skip. He knows the the style of play. The City Group know him well because obviously they come out and evaluate what's going on at the uh, at the the academy, you know, on a weekly basis almost. So, you know, they're comfortable, obviously, for him to do the job. It's no, there's no gift for Michael Van Valkanis. He's a guy that uh, has earned this spot. Uh, there'd be a lot of people out there saying, well, you know, that's underwhelming. We, we, we should have got someone from overseas or we should have got a... That you know, appointment might come. It's it certainly, but they're comfortable enough for him to be looking after the, the city group asset. And it's a big asset there with uh, Timmy Cale and Fauna Riley. They're not throwing away this season. They still want to win more silverware. They've won the FFA Cup already. So this is a real challenge for Volcanus. Does a really great job. Who knows? He may be the permanent coach going into the next two or three years. Well, they can write off their Premier's play chances. They're not going to win that. So they're not going to finish top of the table. But they're currently third Six points adrift of Melbourne victory, and uh, if they finish third, they give themselves a chance of putting together a run in the finals. Who knows what they will come up with? I, I thought their performance against the Mariners uh, yeah. it was hard to get a read on with that uh, Roy O'Donovan red card uh, and Kale uh, getting the second goal after O'Donovan had been marched off the ground. Uh, that was hard to get a read on, and, and prior to that, beaten by Adelaide, as you said, and there was that 1-0 win over the Western Sydney Wanderers, which was uh, another yeah. performance that didn't spark all the way that a team stacked with talented players like this City team should do, but they're getting enough done to stay in the race. Yeah, but we don't want to underestimate also what the club had to go through when John Van Skip had to leave at short notice too. I mean, uh, basically announced midweek, Valkanis had two days as a head coach with the team going into West Sydney Wanderers game, and I thought they were pretty good that game, given it was their first one under the, under the coach. And from everything that was coming out of that club, they were doing it for Mike Valkanis. They wanted to get him a, a winning start. And uh, and from that time on, they've been they've been you know not at their 
you know, champagne best, but it's certainly very competitive and then could have won all three. So good on him. He's got his chance now. There's nothing to complain about. He, uh, let's hope it's better than his stint uh, with Adelaide. I think nine games, two wins, and uh, he didn't end up being extended there. So uh, let's just see uh, what happens with City. Uh, as I said, they it's a considered decision every time with them, and they wouldn't put the hands of that club in someone they don't trust. Okay, they have the Newcastle Jets in Coffs Harbour on Friday night to see whether they can continue to build some momentum and uh, we'll see how they go. Carlos Alberto Diego talking the world game with us as well, 9-14, We'll talk some stuff overseas in a moment, but just before we go uh, to uh, overseas, uh, Connor Chapman's taken his mm. leave to the K-League, so there's another one of our young players taking off overseas. Yeah, and... Uh he struggled to get a game at, at Melbourne City. So he was a guy that I think his career has stalled since his time at, uh, you know, captaining uh, underage Australian team and having big raps on him. And he was at Newcastle Jets playing first team football at quite a young age. Uh, picked up by Melbourne City as one of those young, you know, uh, young players that they'll invest in and hopefully go on and, and do an Aaron Moy overseas or, you know, some of the other guys have sold overseas, but just never took off. And, uh, you know, injury played a big part in that. And also, having uh, uh, more senior players around him that were underperforming. That didn't help him in his development either. Uh, and he, look, he's known as a, a ball-playing central defender, and let's hope he, uh, he really does uh, blossom over in uh, Korea. A guy like Brendan Hamill never did. And now and his career stalled too. So he'll find it very difficult over there because the culture is very different and the expectation is very different. And they'll expect him to perform every time he goes in the park. So he'll either sink or swim. Wait and see. Should Alex Bross be selected in the Socceroos squad? Nine goals wow. this yeah. season. He's been the form uh, striker in the A-League alongside Borussia uh, at 33 years of age. Well, look, you know, it's whether he wants to first. And secondly, you know, whenever someone comes up with a name like that, I'm thinking, well, who drops out? I mean, who in that squad, in that Socceroos squad at the moment, would drop out in place of Alex Brosk? I'm not saying they're all performing beautifully. Uh, just saying that, you know, if he's playing up front, you know, who does he, which position did he take, uh, you know, place of? Um, and if he's playing in the midfield, you know, we're, we're full of midfielders at the moment. So, um, I don't know if Angel take that risk. I don't think he's playing that well. Uh, he's playing very well, don't get me wrong. But I don't think he's take, playing that well where he'll, he'll drop established players to bring him in. Uh, that's more like when, once we've qualified and you want to see for the extended squad uh, who you might bring in a bit later on. Because he has been prepared to give uh, some senior citizens an opportunity in the past and, and we saw that uh, through uh, the Asian Cup campaign with Alex Wilkinson coming into the side as a sort of mature age defender and, and being you know settled in there in that central defensive role. Absolutely. And I, and look, he's the sort of guy too who's developed a bit of mongrel in his game too. I think he was always known as a bloke who's supremely talented. Ange had him as a seven, uh, a 17-year-old in his uh, Joey's teams and uh, and his young Socceroo teams. And I think there was a quote where Ange said he was the next Harry Kuehl at that time. Oh. Yeah, so there was a, a there, there's been a lot of Harry, uh, next Harry Kuehls. So it took a while for... Uh, uh, Alex to really blossom into this consistent, hard-nosed performer. He spends a lot of his time on the field just yelling at the referee these days, yelling at his own teammates, fighting with the opposition. That's something I've not seen Alex Bross do a lot. And maybe it was stemmed from the fact that Sydney, he had to be a bit convinced to give an extension to his contract this year too. So he had to fight hard for that. So good on him if he's toughened up and we get some benefit out of it from the Socceroos' point of view. Well, that's great. And Carlos Alberto Diego talking the world game with me here as well before uh, we uh, click into the run home with Marco and the Ox. Rain Rooney.
I know <laughs> the Ox is a big fan of Wayne Rooney. He's been singing his praises for years. Yep. Um, uh, Shrek in football boots. Uh, <laughs> he's become uh, a legend at Manchester United. Uh, he's the all-time leading uh, scorer there now. But they, they've never, ever since he asked for that transfer request, mm. they've, they've kind of gone a bit cold on him. Well, they? that was Fergie, wasn't it? Yeah. You, know, you know, how dare you ask for a transfer when you're playing under me, you know, Sir Alex. And, but it's interesting, Sir Alex Ferguson has come out in the last 24 hours saying that no one, most likely no one will ever beat that record uh, at Manchester ever again because players don't stay there for 10 years or no, more. So 255 guys. Yeah, right? something like that, yeah. And uh, and I still remember him scoring his, oh, well, I think it was his first one for Everton um, as a 15-year-old. Against Arsenal. Yeah, it was well. a brute. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, and he just uh, he, he dominated that game as a 15-year-old. We thought, where's this guy going? But then he sort of had his moments, you know, the whole issues with, you know, brothels and... You know, yeah, other, yeah, all, yeah, all sorts of things. You know, uh, the wedding, the uh, yeah, engagement no, yeah, ring yeah. thrown in the bushes at the Liverpool Zoo. That's right. We could go on yeah, and yeah, on. That's right. But uh, and he, he, typical English footballer, he ends up being a legend. So, but he wants to go on and coach. Uh, he announced today also that uh, he, you know, because they were talking about him getting the, you know, the six hundred, uh, six hundred thousand uh, pound a week. Uh, job in uh, in China as a footballer of one of the Chinese Super League clubs, but uh, he's saying that he's more interested in finishing his coaching, you know, license and uh, and going on coaching. So, well, they love him as captain. Mm. I saw Jack Wilshere, the, uh, the Bournemouth midfielder these days, uh, he of Arsenal, uh, say that he was the best captain he ever played under. Yeah, which well, I think he tweeted he, that out. He uh, would he yeah. would obviously be you know he'd he'd be leading by example, wouldn't he? It's not like he would say much. I can't see him revving up the boys in some Churchill type uh, you know, speech at halftime or before the game. But he certainly was a guy that people were in awe of when he was in his best. And even now, I, I can see little glimpses uh, in this Manchester United side. Jose seems to be finding the right roles for him, where at least if he's going to finish his career at Man U, he's finishing it being a good player. Even if he's playing 20 minutes here, half an hour there, uh, he's got a great goal to 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 overtake uh, Charlton in uh, against Stoke, a really much needed goal for them to at least get the point there. So, uh, I think he's going to end up being at Man U and being a great player when he finishes. Yeah, congratulations to Wayne Rooney. Uh, Claudio Ranieri uh, is the uh, <laughs> is the is the is the sheen coming off for for uh, the Tinker Man. Well, it, you know, here's here's the question: Can can a coach win FIFA Coach of the Year? Yes, have a statue put up there at King Power Stadium of him for what he did last year and be sacked in the same year? I think that's the question that, uh, that we should really... They're not going to sack him at Leicester. Well, you know, they're in relegation trouble now. The, the, the amount of games they've played... They were terrible against Southampton. Yeah, that's second. right. The, no, the amount shocking. of games they played is now less than the amount of... Sorry, there's now more than the amount of points they have. And at this time of the year, that's not a really good sign for them. So they it's one, could of the great hangovers. one of the great yeah. hangovers, isn't it? The last so, time it happened, I think, I think it was Manchester City back in 1937. It happened where they'd won the, the First Division Championship and they got relegated the year later. It could happen again in modern times. That's un, un, you know, and their, their squad hasn't changed that much. They've lost uh, Nagolo Kante, who's, who's one of the best players at Chelsea, but uh, nearly everyone else is there. But I think they're all bloated with bigger contracts. And uh, I don't know how Jamie Vardy's feeling about turning down the Arsenal offer. Well, yeah, and uh, and also, um, you know, doing the film. I think he's it, there's a Hollywood film being done about him. I think he's been who's thinking playing about... Jamie Vardy. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> Jason Statham. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before we let you go, also, uh, is there a shift going on with player power? Now, mm. Diego Costa wanted to go. China was offering a gazillion, bazillion dollars for him to go. Yep. And uh, the powers that beat Stamford Bridge said, "You're not going anywhere." Yeah. And, 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 and he fact, scored on the weekend to yeah. help them win that game against Hull City. So he's gotten on with his job. But in fact, what they did and said, "Hey, you want to go?" 
well, you know, good to us right now. You go and sit there. You're not playing against Leicester. And they sat him and they won against Leicester quite easily. They didn't miss him at all. It almost made the player think, oh, geez, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not indispensable at this club. I can, you know, I, I'm not in a position of power. But it also happened with Payette, also with Billich, Slavon Billich at West Ham. I noticed that they played hardball with him too. And, uh, and they'll, they'll, Is it worth doing? Payet doesn't want to be there at West Ham. So well, they want to get the right amount of money for him. This is a guy who's getting £125,000 a week as a new five-year contract just signed last February. And, uh, and Where do you get off asking for a transfer after you've signed that? Well, thing? I mean, that's just the way of the world these days. But clubs have got to you know, make sure that they're looked after also. So if you want to go, that's fine. But someone's got to pay the asking price. Marseille, I think they want him for nothing. They've had three bids rejected. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But I'm just seeing... Some, you know, a, a bit of a twist, a bit of a turn on uh, on who, you know, who's the most powerful person in the change room these days. Transfer windows the open for a little while longer. Antonio Griezmann from Atletico mm. Madrid to Manchester United has been touted. Well, his brother apparently that tweeted sweet out. Dance of his. Yeah, his brother Theo apparently tweeted out a photo of Old Trafford. That's all. He didn't oh. write anything, just a tweet out a photo of Old Trafford. It's a bit of Trump-esque baiting by Antonio <laughs> Griezmann's brother. Theo, there you go. Theo. <laughs>